So the first thing I want to talk through is something that hits different. It could be a dessert, like I talked about a moment ago coming tonight. It could be Chick-fil-A. It could be John Morant, who's in a league of his own compared to his draft class. It could be Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse. It's the best animated film of all time. Puts the rest to shame. Y'all know that there are things in this life that are different from the rest. The reason I put up Chick-fil-A a moment ago is because I want you to see there is a company that does it different than the rest. They're closed on Sundays. And last year they racked in $5.8 million in sales. No, not a million, sorry, billion dollars in sales. They were throwing down. They're in their own league by themselves. And last week, shh, track with me guys, hang on tight. Last week, we looked at how God is holy meaning God is set apart. He's different than the rest. And on top of that, this week, we're gonna look at not just is God holy, but God also makes us holy. So if you're taking notes tonight, if you're right at the top of your paper, God makes me holy. God makes me holy. Holy, what does holy mean? Last week we talked about how holy means to be set apart. And I brought for you two different Coca-Cola bottles. And I told you the first one is a normal Coca-Cola bottle, just like the rest. But this one here is slightly different. It is from 1982. It's from my mom and dad's, one of their very first dates at Mud Island. They got this bottle as a commemorative six pack for their fam. They drank all of them except for a couple, brought it back and gave this one to me as a memory as a sign of their love from when they first started dating. So I'd tell you that because this one is different from the rest. I would give this Coca-Cola all day long to one of our middle school students, they can have it, but you're not getting this one because this one is special. This one is set apart. And I tell you that because God is holy. He is set apart, but then also God makes every one of us holy as well. He sets us apart. And so tonight we're going to look at that and how that plays out. You see, every person who is born since creation has been born with brokenness and sin all up in their business. Every single person. This isn't just a collection of all mankind who has this cute little, oh man, you made a mistake. No, this is deep, nasty, difficult sin that has infiltrated all of our lives. Every single person has been born into a world of brokenness and they aren't just the, the product of something outside. They're the problem on the inside. And I tell you that because this is very important in looking at holiness. You must see that everyone in creation, in the ingredients of who we are, we are broken and sinful. And we're in a world of other people who are also broken and sinful. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10, there's none righteous, not even one. Isaiah talks about the filthiness of our sin. And I tell you that because it's important to look at that as we look at holiness. The world is undoubtedly broken. And I can see this throughout history. If I were to look at our our history books right now that are walking through different wars throughout our, 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 our uh, history of the United States, you'll see World War II, you'll see that there was Hitler in Germany who were 
on board, they were behind the idea of taking people and physically hurting them and placing them into camps. And this happened for years and people let this happen. We live in a world of brokenness and sin. If I go back to when Jesus had just died, rose from the dead and went to heaven, if I were to go back after that, a couple of years later, there was a king or emperor named Nero who came along and Emperor Nero would take people, Christians and other people that he did not like. He would put them in a gladiator arena and he would fill the stadiums with people. And they would sit there to be entertained, to laugh and to smile at seeing people killed by beasts and by men. The world is wicked. If I go all the way back to when Israel was in Egypt and Pharaoh was ruling over the land, what would happen was he was so nervous. You can't see the picture. It's okay. He was so nervous about losing power. He would take the babies in Israel and he would throw them into the river to be eaten by alligators or to drown a mass abortion of a generation of male boys who were being born at that time. I'm telling you this not to be like, oh, what a Debbie Downer today. I'm telling you this because the world is wicked and this isn't new today. This has been going on for all of creation. Since Adam and Eve messed up, the world has been broken and full of sin. The good news is, is that God in his rich love and mercy made a way for people to be changed. I'm gonna go to Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse six. I've been reading the Old Testament. I've been loving it, y'all, loving it. Deuteronomy is rich. Deuteronomy six, Ethan, welcome back. I've been missing you, man. What's up, boss? I've been missing you, big time. Deuteronomy six is rich. Deuteronomy seven, rich. Deuteronomy 28, rich. Chapter 30, verses 15 through 20, Rich, I'm just telling y'all, Deuteronomy is good. Deuteronomy 7 is where I'm going tonight. For you, the you here is talking about Israel. For you, Israel, are a people holy to the Lord. They are what? They are holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has what? Isn't that good of the Lord? The Lord has chosen. Remember when he came to Abraham and he was like, I am choosing you. I'm gonna bless you if you will follow me. You remember that? Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. Anybody with me on this? I'm not like just talking like, y'all like, I don't know what this man's talking about. Abraham was not a Christian, not a follower of God, but God came to him and chose and said, Abraham, if you will follow me, I will bless you. I will bless your family. I'll bless you as a nation. I'm gonna do all kinds of things. God chose to reach out to this people. He said, I've chosen you to be my people, a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, I have chosen you, Israel, to be my treasured possession. And you are gonna be holy. You're gonna be set apart from the rest. Was Israel, was, was Israel like the strongest nation or the, the biggest nation or like the coolest nation, most swagger, you know, like, is that who they were? No, there was nothing special about Israel. They weren't even a nation when God chose them. Yet God would come to the one who is small, the one who is alone, the one who is not even following it, the one who is anti-God. He's the one who would come to and say, I wanna choose you to set you apart from the rest. Will you follow me? Will you allow me to do a work in your life? 
That's exactly what happens to Israel. And if you're taking notes tonight, here's what I got for you is this. God makes you holy, and this is what he does. God gives you a holy position. God gives you a holy position. You're like, what does that mean? What I mean is when God sees you as someone who is a follower of God, he sees you in a different light than you were before. When I stand as a Christian, I'm different than who I was before. He used to see me as a sinner, someone who was broken with sin and beef and all this kind of stuff. But when I got saved, that old Corey is gone. And when he sees me, I'm in the position now, not as a sinner, but I'm in the position as a saint, as his son, as someone who is righteous. All that happened to me, Corey O'Hara was changed, was made holy. When I was seven years old, when I walked forward to VBS, I didn't know everything I was doing, but I knew I needed to follow Jesus. I gave my life to the Lord and I was pumped. I was, ex- I was so excited. I was a new creation. I was different than who I was before. But can I tell you, this idea of, of being different wore off after a little bit. And I started thinking, I think God's upset with me. I think God's mad at me. I keep making mistakes. I keep making sinful choices. And I thought, God just, I know he just thinks bad of me. And I would walk around with all this guilt and this shame. And I would think, man, God is just so upset with me because I keep messing up. Even though I got saved back then, I'm still this. And I feel like all he sees me now as a sinner, not as a saint anymore. And I began to doubt, am I really saved? When I was in middle school, that was what I was wrestling with. I was like, am I really saved? I'm still making mistakes and all this stuff. But what I came to realize is this. When God took me out of the world of wickedness and set me apart as a Christian and set me as a part as a believer, someone who is no longer a sinner, but a saint, when that happened, that was permanent. God doesn't see me like I'm some kind of wicked, evil person. He sees me as his son and as a follower of Jesus. That was a hard truth for me to recognize because I still had these feelings going on, but I had to remind myself, Romans 8 verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8, 30 through 40, when he says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I had to be reminded of these truths. I'm gonna ask if John, stay right there real quick. John last week helped me out. And I remember I talked about how when God looks at the umbrella of holiness, he puts on and shows all these different items that reflect holiness. He is faithful, he is graceful, he is loving and all these things. And so when John, John, when did you get saved? Um, When I was seven. Seven years old, where were you at? Um, In my bedroom. In your bedroom. You made a decision to follow Jesus there. That's cool, man. When John was seven years old, before this, he was just like the rest of the world. He was wicked, dealt with sin in his life, all these things. And when God saw him, he saw him as a sinner. But when John got saved, John, stand up for me. I'm gonna put this on you real quick. Come on now. When John got saved, he put on the garments of holiness. And now, come on up here, come on on stage. I'm sorry, I'm putting you on the spot. John hates this, y'all. Y'all don't understand how much John hates this. John now stands in the position of holiness. So when God looks at John, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees someone who is righteous, someone who is shameless, someone who is forgiven, someone who is loving. Turn around for me real quick. He sees his people. He sees his ambassador. 
He sees someone that is his delight, sees someone that is his treasure. He sees someone that is forgiven and sinless before the Lord. I tell you that because here's the deal. When you got saved, God no longer sees you as a sinner, but he sees you as a saint. Because you've been made holy. You have been set apart from the rest of the world. Are y'all tracking with me here? Is that making sense? John, I want you to keep that on for me right there. You can stay right there. You're gonna look swagged out for a little bit with some stickers on your back, okay? Guys, I tell you all that because here's the deal. I need you to recognize this. We're gonna talk about next week, how do you practically live holy? But before I get to the practical of how you live holy, I need you to understand right now, you are positionally holy before God. When he sees you, he doesn't see you as someone who has failed and messed up. If you're a follower of Jesus and made the decision to follow him, you stand today righteous, forgiven, and holy. Does that make sense? Some of y'all are hearing me talk about this and you're saying, Corey, I've never made the decision to follow Jesus. I'm asking everybody to take me, take me, just give me real quick. Some of you in the room might be right now. I'm not, I'm not, we're gonna keep talking the sermon on, but I need to deal with this right now. You might be in the room and you might say, Corey, I hear you talking about this getting saved thing. He said when he was seven, Corey, you said when you got seven. I know there's other people in the room who got saved this last year, following the Lord. Some in the room have said, Corey, I've never been saved. I'm 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old right now, but I've never made that decision. And when you talk about being holy and separate from the rest of the crowd, that's not me. I've never made that decision to follow the Lord. I wanna ask you this right now. What's stopping you tonight from getting saved? What is stopping you from saying, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I don't wanna do it anymore. I want to follow you. What is stopping you? 